All right, so hey, good times. We are uh, going to continue. I told Josh this morning, I was like, when a series has a part 11, is it time to shift gears? And, uh, but we're going we're gonna to keep going with it. I think, it's a, I think it's a great theme. I think it's where we're at right now, wisdom over fear. Um, and uh, I think it's just a really, really uh, good time to be going through this stuff. Um, and I just want to take a moment. Again, we've been doing this. I want to continue to do this. Um, and I just want us to practice this and what prayer is. Um, and we're going to read through a little scripture. And what we're going to do is we're going to read it together. And then we're going to be, we're going to take a pause. And because here's what I know about prayer. Prayer is both us speaking to God and then God speaking to us. And we're going to talk more about that today. But but I want to encourage you, let's read this one together, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. If you've been with us at all, you've known over the last several weeks that we've been doing this, and, and we're going to continue to do this for a little while. Um, so we're going to go ahead and read that together. And uh, once it goes out there, awesome. All right, let's read it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, here's what I want us to do is I want us to pause for a second, right? And uh, I just want us to do this. You don't have to do it out loud, uh, but just pray and say, God, would you just come speak to my heart? So let's do that. And we're just going to pause for 20 seconds and then we're going to read it again together as a prayer. And, uh, okay. Let's pray that again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Awesome. Amen. And so, Jay, I think if you... Jaden, I think if you mute the handheld mic, I'm thinking that won't happen again, but you never know, all right? And so uh, I want to tell you this story real quick. I read about it uh, in one of uh, Ravi Zacharias' book, and uh, if you've never read anything by Ravi Zacharias, I just encourage you to. It's so, it's just rich, Um, not just with information, just with stuff that will challenge you, stuff that will make you think about your relationship uh, with Jesus. It'll make you think about who Jesus is. And so I just recommend, I'm reading the book right now um, called Can Man Live Without God? And it's just, it's an amazing book. If you've read it before, do yourself a favor and read it again. All right. And, and so in that book and in other places, he's told this story. It's a story about Muhammad Ali. And uh, Muhammad Ali, if you don't know, uh, was a boxer way back in the day. Super famous, super fierce boxer. Uh, and uh, he, was kind of, he, was a, he was kind of a clown, too. He always had these sayings that he would do, and 
uh, and would say, and he was very, um, very confident in himself, uh, which would be probably the grossest understatement I'm going to make today. Um, so anyways, the story goes like this. He's on a plane, and uh, they're waiting for departure, and while he's waiting for departure, um, the crew, one of the crew comes up and says, hey, we, we got to have everybody with their seatbelt on. Uh, you need to put your seatbelt on. And, and he was, no, I'm not going to put it on. Well, the third time, uh, he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And without missing a beat, um, the crew member says, well, actually, Superman doesn't need a plane. And then after that, uh, he put the seatbelt on, and uh, so the story goes. And so um, today, as we look at, at, at Daniel 6, um, that story has nothing to do with it. And uh, No, it does to, to a point. But I, I want to say this. Um, we're going to do a little bit of, and it's, it's quick today, because I wanted to emphasize really one thing. Um, because there's a lot of connections we could make today out of Daniel 6. And we've heard this story, and maybe you haven't heard this story, but I'm going to give you the synopsis of it, is um, we, we find that Darius the Mede uh, is, is ruling, and the kingdom has gotten large under him, and he's going to divide it into 120 provinces. He's going to put people over these provinces. Um, and then Daniel's doing such a great job that he's, he's going to let him kind of control the whole kingdom um, as, as the king's affairs. So the things that would be in the favor of the king's affairs, he's going he's gonna to rule over. Well, what we see is there's, there's jealousy that begins to happen among the other authorities that are there, the other people that are um, sharing in this authority. And they want to find uh, Daniel and they want to find fault in him. And so they, they come up with this great scheme and they say, hey, King Darius, uh, we, you know, Put this thing out there that no one can pray to anyone, uh, anyone or anything divine except for you. Uh, and if they do, um, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And if you guys don't know what happens in a lion's den, uh, it's not a petting zoo. Uh, and so uh, life kind of ends there. And so their, their jealousy is, is obvious, um, and their scheming is obvious. And so what they do is um, they sign this thing, the king signs it, uh, and then uh, when Daniel hears about this, uh, he, he is going to go and he's going to pray like he normally does. And when he prays, he prays, um, you know, in his room upstairs, and they come by one day, and they see or hear that Daniel's praying. Uh, and then, of course, they go back, and they report it to the king. The king's heart is super heavy because the king uh, just loves Daniel, but his heart is super heavy, but he's also signed this law, right? And so he has to go through with it, and, and begrudgingly, he uh, sends men to arrest Daniel, and he sends men uh, to wrap him up and throw him in the lion's den. And he, he says, you know, may your God that you serve uh, faithfully uh, protect you. And King goes back and he is just miserable at that night when he's trying to sleep. He's, he's not eating. He's denying the entertainment that he normally has. Uh, he's fasting and he wakes up in the morning. I guess apparently at one point he went to sleep. He wakes up in the morning, runs out there, calls out to Daniel 
and Daniel says, holler at your boy, I'm in here. Um, and he, they peel back, and Daniel is fine. Now, the accusers are not fine, all right? Um, they found out what the lion's den uh, was all about. And, and so, uh, so we could take a lot, right? And I, here's what I would encourage you. Go read those verses. It's Daniel 6. Go read them. Read it in its entirety. Um, read it in the context in which we've been talking about. Um, and what we see here is Daniel, again, serving faithfully. Uh, he's not only serving uh, the king faithfully, he's, again, he's, he's consistently serving God faithfully. And so we could make the connections, hey, jealousy leads to moral bankruptcy. Uh, jealousy leads to decisions that will affect not only you, but the people around you. Uh, and we could say, hey, um, you know, hard work pays off. And there's so many lessons you could learn. Um, but, I, but I told this today, this story about Muhammad Ali, because we often hear about 30,000 feet um, faith in prayer, Right? Uh, prayer happens at 30,000 feet, particularly when an airplane is descending rapidly, all right? Uh, you will hear people cry out, oh my God, that you've never, you didn't even know they were believers, all right? Uh, but it happens there, uh, and, and if that plane's going down, it especially happens. Um, and so today, I just, I want to explore that a little bit. Prayer in panic Okay, versus prayer in presence. And I want to just take this and break it down just a little bit. And I hope today when we leave that um, there's a greater understanding of what prayer is. Uh, I was talking to a pastor this week and, you know, um, we said, you know, if, you, if you ever want to kill a group, if you ever want to kill a small group, not literally, if you ever want to make a small group not happen anymore, just call it a prayer group. All right, uh, and if any, sadly, it's true, right? Like, right, we're gonna pray. All right, hey, we're gonna do a carnival. All right, you show up. Hey, we're gonna pray. You and a cricket. All right, and so um, hopefully, what we're gonna learn here is this: that that prayer is God's communication to us. And so I wanna I wanna go over. Real quick, uh, Daniel 6, 10 and 11, it says this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, the law that no one else would, you know, you couldn't pray to anyone else, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. Verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Okay? They went, they found him praying. Here's what I want to say. Daniel is steadfast. If we're, if we're looking now from Daniel 1 to now Daniel 6, Daniel is steadfast in relationship with God, in communication with the Creator. And so what does he do? He doesn't go home. <gasps> okay, he goes home and he says, God, I need you. He doesn't go home and say, 
Oh, these people who have accused me, bring fire down and burn them up. He says, God, I need your help. I love that when the officials come and they say that they just found him asking for God's help. Because here's what the deal was. It wasn't a prayer of panic. Because he knew. Daniel had lived a life. He had gone through a lot. He had seen a lot. He had experienced a lot of things. And he knew this, that, that in God's presence, we don't need to panic. And I think I've been learning that over the last months is this. Where I'm not going to panic. Now, is there concern? But I'm not going to panic because here's what I know. God is in control. And Daniel understands this. And, and he's, again, he's not calling fire down on the lawmakers. He's asking God for help. He's asking for wisdom. He's saying, God, I need you. And I want to tell you this. His prayer is not an act of rebellion. I'm going to do it anyways, all right? We get this attitude as, I don't know if it's Westerners or as humans, like somebody tells us to do something and we're not going to do it, all right? Uh, what is that, the Frank Sinatra syndrome, okay? I'm, I'm going to do it my way, all right? And so, and so we think about this, like that wasn't his heart, Oh, you signed that law? I'm not doing it. Oh, you told us not to meet? Watch us meet. Okay, that wasn't his heart. His heart was, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. And so this speaks to our time right now. Now, what do we do? We say, well, you know, I think it relates to Acts 4. Right to Acts 4. Peter's standing up. He goes, what do you want us to do? And this is, he's talking to the religious hierarchy. He says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to follow your rules or do you want me to actually listen to God? What would you have me do? And so he goes and Peter then is going. And the, guess what the church does right after this thing where Peter gets up and he enacts for it? Guess what the church does immediately after that? They pray. What are they praying for? They're praying for wisdom. God, what do you want to do? Again, they're not panicked. They're asking for presence. They're praying for presence. And I think oftentimes I look at this and I say, how can someone be so chill? I don't know if he was chill. I can't imagine being wrapped up and you're just like, mm, you know, you're just standing there like a hot dog. And you're like, okay, all right. But maybe he was, I don't know. But how are you chill when you're getting thrown into a lion's den? How does that work? And really the only answer, the unequivocal reality is this, it's got to be the presence of God. I, we've had friends, right? They're going through hell, and you're like, how are they so relaxed? And then you realize, oh, yeah, these are people that are of the presence. Are there concerns? Yes. Are they panicked? 
No, because they know the story. And so I, I look at a good example always. I find, you know, hey, what does Jesus do about this stuff, right? What does Jesus do? He had a lot going on. Um, you know, if you just read through Matthew, it's like boom, 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 boom. Over three years, you're talking about he was moving and grooving and moving and grooving. Uh, but in Luke five sixteen, guess what it says? He often retreated to the wilderness to pray. Often. And man, I mean, if you had to deal with those disciples, you would retreat often, right? I have six kids, and I want to retreat often, right? And the, my retreat sometimes is like, I am no longer your father tonight. Don't talk to me. No, I don't ever say that. I have a couple times. Don't lie to me. Okay? Um, where you're just like, I just need a moment, all right? And, you know... A couple of my, well, my boys are, Dad, can I mow the lawn? No. No. I have ear protection on, and I am just in the zone. And I don't have to hear anybody go, Dad! All right? And so we need to get away. We need to retreat. And Jesus is a great example of this. And what is he doing in there? And Jesus, let me just tell you this. Jesus is not just getting away. All right, like, just give me my time, okay? He's not saying that. He's saying, I need to get away so that I can be present to the Father, so that I can hear what he is calling me to do. Now, he heard in the moment, and he heard while he was away. I think this, this is just off the top of my dome. I think we're afraid to pray. I think we're afraid to actually spend time in prayer because, first of all, what is prayer? I don't think we know that fully, right? Okay, when I say, hey, we're just going to pray for an hour. What? Like, you're just going to talk for an hour to God? No. I mean, what if we had a prayer meeting one time and we, we talked out for five minutes and then we listened for 55? We'd probably be better off, to be honest with you. I've heard people pray sermons before. They pray sermons. Like, you're not really praying. You're, like, teaching right now. <laughs> like, just pray. pray. And so what is God calling us to? I believe that he's calling us to pray. I believe that he's calling us. And what does that mean? It means this, that you're in a relationship. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to listen to God's voice. That's, hey, I'd like to say to you, if that's you, valid. But I'd also like to say this, and this is a question, have you taken the time to get to know his voice? Well, what does his voice sound like? Well, it's, it's described in, in Scripture as oftentimes it's the still small voice. I always tell people this, it, it, sometimes when, I, when I'm, and God will use your thoughts, understand that. Like God speaks. You have a brain. God can use it. And like, you ever had this thought like, man, I should buy them lunch. And you're thinking, I don't know if I have enough money to buy them lunch, okay? But it's that thought, or hey, you should go pray for that person. Here's what I would say to you. Aside from like, hey, throw yourself in front of that car. That's probably not God, Okay? But if it's something where it's a thought and, you know, you have this thought and I, hey, go, go encourage that person. 
Here's what I would say to you. Go do it. Here, here's what I know about prayer is this, that in, in, a, in a room, and I think I've given you this before, in a room of 100 people, I know my wife's voice. In a room of 500 people, if my wife said, Andy, in that way, where I did something wrong, I know that voice. Even if it was for something good, I know her voice. I can recognize my kid's voice in a crowded area. And what is it? Well, when I'm looking for my kids in that room, I'm honed into their voice because I've talked to them over and over and over again. Well, when I pray, God doesn't speak. I've said that before. And what I found is that can be true, but what I found is typically I don't listen. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is to take the time. Well, how do you do it, Andy? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Over the next week, again, take Psalm 139, 23, and 24. But I did it last week. Can't we get something new? No. Uh, (laughs) We're not on to the next thing. Okay, Psalm 139, uh, 23, and 24. And here's what I would love for you to do. Sit down with that passage and just simply say this, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak? I'm going to pray these two verses and would you just come and speak? And then here is the challenging part, to be still and listen. To be still and listen. And so I want to just encourage you this morning, as Daniel faced the lion's den, what did he do? He went and prayed and got alone with God and sought God's face. And so in the, in the midst of the things that you're facing, in the challenges in life that you're going through right now, in the times when you're at work and you, quote, don't have time to, I encourage you to take time to pray. When you have a decision to make, pray. Listen to the still, small voice. And here's what I'd like to encourage you with also is this. Guys, God is in control. He is 100% in control. Even when things look upside down and we're worried about everything, God is in control. And so what I want to do this morning, just as we end, because that's the end, is this. Understand that you need the seatbelt. You need the seatbelt. You need to buckle into what God is doing. Right? You're not Superman, you're not Superwoman. Stop trying to do everything on your own. All right? And what I want us to do, just stand if you would right now. If you're at home, get off the lazy boy. You're too comfortable. Okay? And you specifically, get out of your pajamas. All right? No, I'm just checking. So I just want to say this. Um, Let's just spend a moment and uh, 
you know, just ask the Holy Spirit to come in this place. I know this, wherever you are, if you're at home, the Holy Spirit can show up there too. And so I just want to encourage you is just come into a place where you're saying, God, would you just come and move? Come into a place where you're so desperate that you just want to see God move. Like we're not going to make anything happen, but we're going to invite his presence. And so I just, would you just position your heart in that way right now? Father, we just pray that you would come. Actually, you're here in this place. You're here where we are gathered in your name. Would you just come and move and have your way? We thank you that you are in control. And God, any illusion that we have that we're in control, Father, I pray that we would put that at your feet. I pray that in every situation that we face or we come up to, God, that we would come to you in a prayer of presence, God, that you would show up, that you would speak. And so, God, in this room and online, would you just come and have your way? pray for those that are panic prayers, (laughs) including myself, that we would become prayers of your presence. God, that we would know you and that you would have your way. Jesus name I want to encourage you if you're here and you want prayer um, we're going to have a couple people up here that will pray with you uh, if you're online again we would love for you to fill out a connect card or to in the chat someone can pray for you um, but we just encourage you with that uh, and if you want to hang out for a bit that's cool too um, but I think Chuck and Lee will be up here uh, to pray with you if that's something that you uh, desire. And here's what I would say to you as you leave today. Go out. Be in prayer. What does it mean to be in constant prayer? Just be sensitive to what God would say to you. Allow enough space in your life that God can speak to you. And even in the moments where you're facing a lion's den, that the first reaction would be, God, I'm coming to you because I need wisdom. All right, go out. Be Jesus to the people around you. Peace.